Welcome to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to another LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to uncover the hidden leadership acumen within our network. Today, however, we're going to reach beyond LifeLinks, and I'm going to, I have the privilege of interviewing Mark Clark. Now, Mark's the founding pastor of Village Church, a multi-site church with locations across Canada and online around the world. He seeks to reach skeptics and challenge Christians. He's the author of The Problem of Jesus, which just came out this year, and The Problem of God that was published in 2017. I've read that book. That is a fantastic book to help us deal with. Yeah, really good, Mark, to deal with some of the hardest questions of Christian faith. He's also winner of the 2018 Word Award for Evangelism. He's been the subject of several articles in Christianity Today. And Outreach Magazine voted him one of the top 26 leaders to watch. He's in, he resides in Vancouver, Canada with his wife, Erin, their three daughters. And this is really bonus. He is one of our guest speakers this October for our LifeLinks International Leaders Conference. So um, we are really privileged to have him speaking in October. And I kind of wanted to introduce him to all of you today so you get to know uh, who Mark is. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. And you're obviously you're in Vancouver, British Columbia. I have one quick question, totally random. Did the smoke impact you this summer? We a lot of wildfire smoke in yeah. British Columbia. Uh, did it reach to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I went up to the Okanagan too. And so it was pretty smoky up there for a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, but it did, it did blow down into the city. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty, it's been pretty rough here. So it's, uh, they're still fighting them. All right. But is it clearing yeah. out now for the fall? Does it look a little well, better? Down in the city? Yeah. Uh, up, up there in the, in the desert, it's still, uh, it's still kind of raging a little bit, but I think it's getting a little bit better. They're having some rain and stuff, which is good. So, yeah, well, good. And I hope that you were able to have a good summer. We're recording. Yeah, right. What I wanted to do, first of all, Mark is jump right in and ask you if you could give us a bit of background on your ministry journey and um, how and when you founded Village Church, kind of what's behind that whole ministry? Yeah, well, I didn't grow up in the church. So our whole philosophy when we started the church in 2010 was to try to reach skeptics. Um, a lot of skeptics in Canada, a lot of unchurched, de church people. And so we wanted to start a church for them. Um, and so that's what we did. We had about 16 people in my house that just kind of started to gather. And I was part of a church that said, we'll give you, you know, 30 people and you can start a church. So we started meeting in a uh, elementary school gym and preaching about Jesus and going after people who don't know him and people who have kind of left the church or never been to church before. And, uh, you know, originally they said, you know, the, the way to plant a church and kind of preach and teach when you're starting a new church is to kind of, you know, just do, you know, felt needs kind of topical stuff. And that would bring people and th that wasn't really our desire. We wanted to kind of be Bible, you know, kind of a Bible verse by verse guy. So we just started doing that. And, uh, Hey people, you gotta repent. You gotta give your life to Jesus. And, uh, people started showing up and getting their life changed. And so this group of like 50 people that, that started the church just started to grow and grow and grow as they, met Jesus as the hero of their life versus themselves. And they started bringing their friends and their family, even though it was Canada, they're like, Oh my goodness, this is offensive. I'm going to bring my friends with me. And they started to get their life change and just, it started to go. And 
100 became 400 became 1200 became you know whatever it is now across all these so we have about uh seven sites now we're planting two churches in toronto we got this vision that god gave us to plant churches across the major cities in canada so and that was back in like 2007 that that god kind of spoke to us uh at a conference and said you know this is what i want you to do so now we have you know vancouver calgary uh, uh, one brewing in Winnipeg, two brewing in Toronto and kind of see where it goes as we kind of make our way across this thing. So, wow, that that's amazing. What a, what a story. And I really like the way you specifically knew who you were targeting, what your kind of, uh, ethos right. was, how you were to focus. And then you were unashamed about it. You, you went mm. after it and, and people responded to that. And, and even as I indicated earlier, having read your, your book problem with God, um, you know, dealing with the hard questions, dealing with the things yeah. that people are grappling with. And so I really, really, really celebrate that with you. And speaking of celebration, um, I'm wondering what your church is celebrating even during this pandemic season. It's, it's been a hard time. There's been a lot of uh, shifting going on. I mean, we yeah. say, you know, our, our conference is called Life and Ministry in a Post-Pandemic World. Uh, but I was thinking about it today as we enter September, and uh, we're not totally post-pandemic yet. Uh, it's right. still kind of happening. But what are you celebrating during this time that's kind of been unique? Yeah, I mean, I think I think across the church, people are asking this big kind of existential question. What does it mean to be the church? You know, does it mean going to a building? Does it mean, you know, if my building is closed, can I still be the church? What is... What does it mean to disciple my kids? What does it mean to reach my neighbor if I can't just, you know, bring them to a church service? So I think that's a huge plus in the sense of it's created this big question for the Western church of what actually does it mean to be on mission? What does it mean to um, be salt and light in the world? How does our interaction with culture um, play into our life? And, you know, so I think all these have kind of... Uh, you know, in this kind of first Peter way, like you go through the fire and, and hopefully you can come out stronger on the other side of it. And I think that's what the church has been dealing with the last 18 months. There's parts of it, of course, that suck, can't gather in person, can't do this, can't do this. I mean, a thousand things about it, but there's a few things that we're learning. That's like, okay, we got to be able to answer that question, uh, which pushes the church to be the church every day in their life whether they're a, you know, a whatever, a stay at home parent or a CEO of a company or whatever. It's like, how do you love Jesus and follow Jesus in the world when you can't just show up to a Sunday, check a box and move on with your life. Uh, and, uh, and, and thinking through technology, the tension of like online church, um, how do we reach people with that? How do we, you know, is it, is it really church? Is it not really church? What does that leadership structure look like? What does it mean that there's people watching and, and, and identifying as part of Village Church that live in Wisconsin and Idaho and Amsterdam and, you know, whatever? What does that even look like? What does it look like for the church to reach people online in Afghanistan and, you know, North Korea? Like, what is all that, man? The, the dark web and, like, technology <laughs> and, like, what, you know, what are we trying to figure out here? Um and so all these things are, are are creating, you know, Rodney Stark, who, you know, the, the religious sociologist talks about the idea that secularism doesn't kill religion, it stimulates innovation. So if you think about it from a positive standpoint, it forces us to ask the big questions about 
how we're going to reach people in the new era. And of course, we're seeing lots of people deconstruct their faith and leave the faith and fusion sure. politics and religion and the, you know, all of these things that are happening. And we're sitting around trying to figure all this out. What does it mean to actually be in formal ministry in a time like this? What's the difference between discipleship and leadership? You know, all these fascinating questions that could fill up all their, you know, their own podcasts. Uh, but these are things that we as a church are just leaning into and saying, all right, you know, how do we actually do this well? So, um, yeah, we're learning a lot of things. Uh, of course, as my, my friend, uh, Pastor Chris Brown down in San Diego says, I'm going to be a much better pastor uh, in the next pandemic. <laughs> uh, because the, all the mistakes we're making in this one, it's, you know, it's a bit of a gong show trying to do things and then seeing people react and, oh, you no. know, uh, get emails about everything at this point. So, uh, you know, yeah. Well, and I think I was thinking about it today. Um, and uh, I was thinking about how leadership in this season is, is really trying to balance the, all these things off and, and trying to help people walk together. Cause there's so much division. There's so many different yeah. opinions. And so what, what are some things that you'd encourage leaders with when they, when they, when they consider some of that, uh, yeah. maybe they're feeling a bit COVID weary, maybe, maybe they're hoping there's never another pandemic, which of course we all are. Um, but, but you know, some of the things you've learned sure. from this. Yeah. Well, and this could be controversial. I'm not really sure, but um, I, I think I think leaders, especially lead pastors and people who, who are preaching and teaching, we got to figure out a way in the spirit of Romans 14 um, to not choose a side, and that's that's tough because, uh, and this is what I do anyway. I, I'm not saying this is on everybody else's life. This is my life right now. Is there's a lot of pressure to be the spokesperson for both sides of this thing, right? So I'll get an email from someone. They'll say, you need to be like leading parades against masks. You need to be on stage saying, don't get the vaccine. You need to be saying, you know, we're against government overreach, all that kind of stuff, because you have such a platform, kind of how dare you not use it for this purpose. And then the next email will be from a doctor or a nurse in our congregation saying, Kate, you need to get up and shut down all these all these conspirator ideas because they're actually hurting real people and the, the hospitals ram that I work at and there's no, you know, whatever. So it's like, Mark, be the spokesperson. And somehow uh, as a leader, you gotta be able to reach both those people with the gospel. You gotta be gospel people. So Romans 14, this idea that like you eat meat, you don't, not a gospel issue. You know, I gotta, I gotta reach both. Uh, because you can do that according to conscience. And so as a leader, not tipping your hat, not showing your hand uh, consistently so that you can reach left, right, center, whatever, wow. upside down, whoever, you got to reach everybody. The purpose of the, of, of, the, of the missionary in the world is not to turn people over to a, uh, an opinion about some issue of the time because you can flip people to your political side and your political ideology and they still go to hell. So exactly. that's not the, that's not the goal of our life. Exactly. Of course, they're great conversations. Of course, we need to understand, of course, there's social implications to all of this that we need to think about and bring shalom to the cities and the countries that we belong to and fight for right. All of that, of course, of course, of course. But if you make that the main thing, 
then you've 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 pushed the gospel to the margins and made your thing of the moment the main thing. And when I first entered the church, I saw this happening. It was, you know, I showed up to a Baptist church in 1999. So what do you think they were ranting and raving about all the time? Yeah, they were talking about the year 2000 and what was going to happen right. with the computers and yeah exactly y2k it's yeah. the end of the world it's everybody get your generators and get <laughs> yeah. i remember all that. and it's like you know what came of it nothing so now i'm not saying that that's the case this time there could be real concerns there could be all this and we have to be smart and we have to be shrewd shrewd as serpents innocent as doves of course of course of course but as a leader and it's very hard I think you can have a personal life where you have friends, where you tip your hat and you tell them what you think about all this, but uh, certainly from the pulpit and on social media and whatever, we just have to be careful. And, and wow. I know there's going to be some pushback on that. And there's people who disagree with me on that, but I have just seen so many people reached in this moment. Yes. Um, precisely because I didn't get political, you know, wow. there's people getting baptized in these provinces and whatever, who have no idea what I think politically about anything. And it's like, but I'm getting the Bible, I'm getting the gospel and you're, you're the place I can go to, to, well, I mean, but it's where I'm not getting all this, you know, and, and I think there's something to that in this moment, even for the prophetic role uh, that we're playing in the world. So I think what you're saying is, Hey, keep the main thing, the main thing, uh, keep the focus on, presenting Jesus and uh, yeah. and keeping the doors open to everyone to actually be able to hear the gospel and not not be polarized because they sense that you're uh, you're representing a certain side. I think what you're saying is also true. This isn't easy. This is tough. And um, I'm sure you're finding it challenging, but at the same time, you're seeing the fruit. So obviously, one of the things you're celebrating, which is uh, what I've been wondering, is people coming to faith in mm -hmm. this season um, because they're stirred, they need help, and and you and your church are postured to do that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. what else have you learned? Let me ask you this question. When it comes to being online, you you alluded to you know being all over the world uh, online and also in person. You got these campuses. Um, this this kind of hybrid, you know, being online, being in person. It's probably something that's with us forever in some ways. There'd be churches in our network that have been doing this for years. There'd be churches in our network that this is fairly new because they weren't. And what would you say going forward to us as leaders as we kind of navigate the hybrid approach of ministry? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a very multifaceted question because uh, there's so many so many different size ministries and so many budgets that that can't afford to do some of the stuff that other churches can do. And so I want to be careful to make it normative and say, everyone's got to be online leading a global movement. And it's like, no, not everybody <laughs> needs to be doing that. So just be released from that kind of pressure. It's like, you know, it's kind of like that parable, you know, there's, there's probably 30 fold, 60 fold and a hundred fold churches and ministries and leaders, you know, and, and a 30, a, someone who the Lord's gone, look, I'm going to give you 30 fold stuff. Like, don't try to be a hundred fold ministry when you're a 30 fold ministry. Like that's, that's okay. That's what God has called you to do and be. Uh, and so, but I do think online obviously can't be ignored. As my friend Carrie says, everyone you want to reach is online. So there will be a hybrid, what you want to use it for and how you want to use it. That's going to differ. Some of you are going to want to use it as a church, which means you got to think through leadership, ecclesiology, missiology, methodology, ministry, all those things. 
others of you are going to use it as an evangelism tip of the spear like hey it brings people in and we shoot them down the funnel and then they get to a physical location and that's what that's our goal um you know our our goal we have this uh, eightfold discipleship thing that we approach um and we say this is what a disciple looks like at village and there's the eight areas of life that we talk about and for us it's like we don't only want to do those to people in our physical locations we want to do it for people online so how does that look how do we offer classes and mentorship and you know all of that kind of stuff so we're trying to crack all that and figure that out but i think every church if it's within their budget and their ability they got to be able to do this hybrid thing i think one of the big changes that's going to happen statistically i think in canada we were already at people attending three out of four a month probably maybe less i'm not really sure what the data is uh, i think that's going to go down to one or two a month uh, post-COVID. So even, even if I'm someone who physically attends your church and that was my weekly rhythm before, and I really only ended up coming three out of four statistically, I think that's going to probably go down to two out of four. So how, what are you going to do in the meantime? How do you undergird that? How do you, know, all of that, how do you look at your ministry as not this Sunday central thing all the time, but go like, we got to be able to do this you know, we have met, we have masterclass stuff online where we're building a whole curriculum of uh, courses that we do where I go talk to like world leaders and bring that, you know, just content that you can create and Fantastic. then discipleship groups that come together. And we constantly push people to be in community groups every week. So they get on Zoom, you know, all of those touch points. Uh, one of my mentors says that people show up for an opportunity, but they stay for a relationship. And I think that one of the core things that our job uh, as, as church leaders is to create attachment because attachment is why people stay, why people have loyalty to your mission. Um, you know, there was some work done years ago about workplaces and why people stay at workplaces. And like the number two reason why someone stays at a workplace is they have a friend there, which is totally counterintuitive to me. I would have thought they stayed because of salary and job perform, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, I like going to work because I have a friend. Uh, and so, you know, amazing. yeah, it's the same principle for church life. It's like our jobs to connect people into relationships and then they don't go anywhere. But if they don't know anybody, you know, first sign of trouble, they're out. We'll go to the next thing and consume over somewhere else. So, so you have a, a whole master class. You've got all, a lot of teaching and, and training for, for how to do some of these things and how to navigate that. Yeah, a little bit. We're building it. So I, I tend to have meetings right now. We're in the fall. We're going to build out a whole basic website that is a whole bunch of different classes. And depending on what you want to take, there's going to be not only content, there might be, you know, I don't know, six videos, half an hour long on, uh, I don't know, spiritual gifts or something. But then there's a PDF download course connection with other people on Zoom and and it's a really holistic approach to that and then it might be a class on galatians and then it might be an old testament survey and it might be whatever and it's mostly our staff so the aesthetic oh. there's continuity in the aesthetic and all that but then there's going to be moments where i think they're trying to set up a series of interviews that i would interview hey anti right what do you think about prayer and fasting oh, hey joe blow how do you, you know whatever and like try to create content for people at kind of a world-class level. So anyway, those are some of the things that we're trying to figure out. So, no, that's really great. So what it sounds like to me with, you know, you've got a, a your particular church, you've got a, a really strong online 
presence and also you've got a, a strong in-person presence. And so would you look at some people that are just purely online, you would say they're still part of our church, they're still connected with our church. Would there be kind of like, what would be your metrics to know whether they're really part of your church? So I had a meeting a couple months ago and I asked our online uh, pastor, um, I said, I'd like to bring you a couple, bring me a couple points of data. And the data I want to know is not how many downloads we get, how many views we get, um, none of that. They, they report that every week among themselves and whatever. I said, I want to know out of that group. So I don't want to include anybody who's ever attended a physical location. Okay, so when I ask you for these data points, exclude anyone who's on our radar. And I, we have their information from the past before COVID started, whether they've ever given a dime or been to serving, whatever, eliminate them. I want to know since COVID online, how many people joined up into a community group, started giving, joined one of our like alpha freedom session, whatever, uh, or became members. So basically I, I want to know who's kind of moved, leaned in versus just sitting and watching a sermon and clicking it off and moving on with their life. They started giving, they joined a community group, they joined one of our classes, they gave us the information and said, I want to be part of our church. I want to become a member, even though I live in wherever. And at that point, he had come and he'd said it was about 1,200 people. And they'd given about $350,000 to that point. So these are people who've never walked in the door to a physical location at all. That's amazing. Yeah, so so that's how we define, oh, you actually became part of Village. So then they're like, we actually want to become members of Village Church. And we're like, okay, what does that look like if <laughs> yeah, they live no in Idaho, right? Like, <laughs> because they're not going to, if we need to buy a piece of land and it's, you know, a million and a half an acre for dirt and they live in Idaho, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? So it's like, well, do you make them real members? Do you make them secondary? You know, whatever. So we had that debate and we realized, no, we make them real members of our church. They are part of our church. Uh, we just have to communicate well why a piece of land would cost that much. Like, it's not that hard to communicate to your members if you're doing your job right. So um, let's gather them in communities so that if there's six or seven or eight of them in that area, now our, our online pastor connects them with each other and says, you guys go hang out, go, go out for lunch together, do baptisms together, do events together. And so that's what started to slowly come together. So it's one thing to hypothetically say, oh, we're going to do something online, but that has to mean that you put money and resources and time in it, which means, so picture this, if I started a church from scratch and it was 1200 people in six months, we'd probably assign a staff member to it, right? It's like, right. are you yeah. going to assign, are you going to assign one, two, three staff members to a campus that potentially has exponent, like th the ceiling is so high for the amount of people it can reach. And yet we just kind of make it a 10 hour a week, like give a little money to it. Hopefully the Wi-Fi stays up or whatever. And it's yeah, like, no, kidding. no, no, no. We need to like resource this thing almost as R and D like an investment that might lose money for a couple of years, but the return is going to be potentially exponential growth over wow. the course of two or three years. So anyway. Wow. So you, you, you guys had the metrics, you could see that happening and now you're resourcing it more. So you realize there's a whole segment of people who feel connected, who'd say, this is my church, but they're virtual. 
And that, that's really awesome. And I think for all of us listening, no matter what size of our church, and going back to that again, what you said earlier, because we would we could tend to think, well, you know, that's a bigger church and what have you. But sure. I think with the internet and with wherever community we're in, we have the potential and I, you know, to reach out beyond our just our walls. And I, I've heard that actually from churches that are in smaller communities in our network, that they are finding the online engagement and the people uh, in their community that that had never darkened their door uh, are now are now watching them online and are connecting. So I think there is an opportunity here. And I appreciate your thoughts about even funding it and pushing into it, pushing mm -hmm. into it more because, um, you know, obviously, like we said, this isn't going away as far as our, our internet engagement. So as churches, as we head into the fall here, um, as we're still dealing with effects of the pandemic, like, you know, with, with our conferences, I alluded to earlier, you know, our whole theme is, you know, back to normal. We have the normal crossed out and life and ministry in a post-pandemic world. Well, we're not really post-pandemic yet. But as, as I'm sitting here as a leader looking into the fall, considering what ministry is going to look like, what, what do you think are some good questions for our churches and leaders to really consider as they, as they think about what are we going to do? How are we going to focus ourselves? What, what are some things they should be keeping in mind? Yeah, well, I think that, um, I think one of the main things is making sure that you personally as a leader are healthy. So you're not going to be useful um, to, your, to your church or to your people unless you're healthy, uh, you know, personally as a leader. So what I'm seeing is a lot of burnout, a lot of like, I don't know why I got into this, a lot of existential crisis, like, hey, I'm just going to go, you know, sell insurance or something because I can't be a pastor anymore with all this craziness. And so I, I think we will have to really believe like my mental, spiritual, emotional health if I go down, the rest of the thing goes down. So let's make sure that we take that break, we take that vacation, we take that sabbatical, we really hone in because if we're, you know, you can't lead on empty. You got to be fueled up. You got to be ready to go. So I think that's probably issue number one. Issue number two is like, don't, like I alluded to earlier, don't get pulled in to all this stuff that is uh distraction you know i think satan basically uses distraction um whether that's political or ideological or any other kind of just like we just get pulled in a thousand different ways and we need to go what is my ministry's focus we can't be all things to all people that's true yeah so what are the few things that we need to do well and if god has called us to be that prayer ministry or whatever then let's just kill that if he's called us to reach skeptics, let's kill that. If he's called us to be the Bible people, let's do that. If he's, you know, whatever. It's like, don't try to like, like people have talked to me, like I'll, they laugh at like, I'll speak at a conference or something. And then their pastor hears me talk and goes back and goes, okay, everything we are going to do now, we got to do Bible teaching and go through Matthew for four years, verse by verse. And it wasn't <laughs> the way they did anything and it doesn't work. You know, the whole staff's like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And they're trying, they're trying to do something that's not them. Right. And it's like, I, you know, it would be like me going hearing, okay, now we got to do it this way and fill in the blanks and start with the letter F and whatever on the service. Like that's, that's not us just because it worked for somebody else. So really going like, what, is, what has God gifted us in this moment to do? Very good. Yeah. And let's do that really well. Like, let's kill that. 
And, you know, there's a guy named Greg McEwen years ago wrote a book called Essentialism. And it's like, if you have a scale of opportunities of one to 10, and you were to say, you know, an opportunity comes about and opportunities are endless, right? Opportunity, we could do, we could fill our time in life and ministry with a lot of opportunities. But he says, you know, it basically, he calls it the hell yeah principle or the heck yeah principle. For <laughs> it's like, it's like, is this a nine out of 10? Like, does this move the needle? Is this exciting? Is this something like, where people are going to get jacked about, we're getting jacked about, or is this like a five or six out of 10? And he says, if you say, keep saying yes to five and six out of tens, when okay. a nine out of 10 comes down the pike, you're not going to be able to say yes to it because you're going to be too busy because you've said yes to all these mediocre things. And so really it's a matter of like, you're, this is going to be a time you got to sift through and go like, what is our few things we're going to do? And let's just do those, you know, uh, super well. So really good, really good. So dealing, dealing with the weariness, if you, you know, uh, and I, I've heard other, I think Rick Warren did a great podcast on, on some tips regarding uh, dealing with the weariness and dealing with some of the, the season that we're in. And one of the things he mentioned was that, um, you know, don't expect so much out of yourself, but given the situation, given the uncertainties, it wears you down. And so sometimes yeah. it means you have to do less uh, and even be more careful. I like what you're saying about, you know, saying yes to the nines, but not so much the fives and sixes. So one of the questions, big thing is what should we be doing in this season? What's really a nine and what isn't? And, and, and how do we focus on those nines? So I think that's a, a great question. Anything else you would, would say to church leaders um, as, as we, as we go through this, anything that, um, you know, might encourage them or, or be instructive and then we'll have you pray for us. We always, yeah. we always do that. Well, you know, character is king in the, in this job. And, uh, you know, again, I think I think it's Carrie that says, you know, character. If competency gets you in the room, and character keeps you there. Um, no one's going to follow you if you don't have character. So it's like making sure that's intact. Um, you know, I'm 41 now, which I know might sound young, but it feels very old to me. Um, and uh, I've started realizing you know, I got three daughters, 15, uh, 12, and 10, and you know, I've started realizing and I'm not saying I, I'm an old man at this point, but I started realizing like, this is the stuff that I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty obsessive worker. Uh, so when I started Village Church, I mean, it was, it was all consuming. It was my entire life. And uh, the kids were young then. And I feel like, you know, by God's grace, I didn't totally mess it up by being a workaholic, but now I'm just, I, I, I have, you know, I, I listen to some of these podcasts of these churches and, uh, the downfall of some of these leaders and all of this. And I see like this theme of like control. They're always controlling everybody and everything all the time. And, and I've got to a place in my life where I'm like, gosh, that sounds exhausting. Like get a <laughs> hobby, kidding. get a life, like go <laughs> pick up, you know, get, go kayaking or start liking <laughs> golf or something. Like, why are you so obsessed with controlling everybody all the time? And I didn't grow up in the church. So to me, uh, being a church leader, and I don't say this to, you know, discourage any of us on this call or on this podcast, but it's like, um, we're kind of big fish in a small pond, like being a leader and being great in the Christian world is like, 
to me, it's a non-event. It's like, yeah, nobody <laughs> cares, right? Like nobody cares that you're a celebrity within Christianity. Like, what is that? To the regular Joe on the street, nobody knows you and nobody cares. So a it's good like, point, Mark. Wow. You know, and that's always humbling. It's like, who cares? Like, why? What? So get it, you know, so for me, I like, I've noticed myself over the last three or four years, I like, I, I would much rather like be hanging out loving on my kids, having fun together, uh, then obsessing over some Instagram post that the grammar is not proper on the church website. It's like, that used to be my life. I used to, that's all I used to do. And now it's like, I don't really care. And it's Good like, mark. I'd rather raise my kids to love Jesus and love the church in the end and have an Instagram post that wasn't perfect. And I think that whether you call it growth or survival or defense against going crazy. I don't know what you call it, but it's, I feel like it's a better place to be than an obsessive about every detail and over every person and, and just following people around as if I'm some, it's like, who's got the time for this? That is really, really wise. And I think for us as leaders, that tends to be the biggest challenge, right? We we're used to leading. We want to lead. But I think the other part that comes into it is trusting the Lord too, right? And yes. as we grow in leadership, we learn that so much of this is outside our orbit. We can't really make right. it happen. And so our trust level grows and, and we start to let go. And I, I, think, I think the other point you make um, that, that you're making, Mark, as well, is especially, I would think, in this pandemic season and with all the extra pressures and all the things, um, if we're going to be obsessive like that, uh, we're not we're not going to do well because we we have to take a breather we have to be able to enjoy life and uh, right. I think that goes back to your original point too about you know how we approach things and how we uh, our posture because I think people really need encouragement they need they need to know that hey things are tough in the world but there is a hope and we represent yep. that hope I really I really appreciate your thoughts today really good stuff. Um, uh, and I'm looking forward, Mark, to, to us having you at our conference. Just, just for everyone's sake, Mark will be speaking virtually to us, um, and that will be great. I mean, our conference has some virtual sessions. It's kind of a sign of the times, and yet we're still planning to meet in person uh, in Manitoba. We're, we're praying that all the restrictions and guidelines allow for that still and and at yeah, this point we are it'll be a great event it'll be a great event so yeah i believe in it so thanks again for for being willing to be be part of that i wonder if you could kind of finish off with a with a prayer uh, it's hard to it's hard to tie all this up in a bow but um there's there's lots of good thoughts here today but yeah if you could just even yeah, just pray for us that'd be great yeah lord we're we're so thankful uh, for the leaders that are listening to this and even that are going to be part of this conference. Um, thank you for this ministry that, that works so hard to tie everybody together uh, to do the gospel work you've called us to do in the world. And it's a, it's a, it's a weird moment. It's a moment that uh, none of us have really been through before. And there's so many questions and I just, I just pray for the leaders right now. I just, you know, sense um, uh, a burden of just feeling overwhelmed in life there's so much information flying at us, so much stress, so much anxiety, so much unknown about the future. Um, and all those things, Lord, when we read the Bible, it's like those are opportunities to just fall into your arms and to trust you. And as James talks about, like we don't we're we're vapor. We don't even know what tomorrow brings. And and this moment has kind of highlighted our 
our fragility and our vulnerability in that. And so let's actually, I pray that there's just a growth in this moment for all of us yeah. as leaders, that we'd actually treasure you more than we did before this pandemic um, and that we would lead through it well, that we would be stable. I, I pray as people, I, I've just felt this sense um, as people are in the, the chaos, they kind of look to us as leaders to see if our life is chaotic to see if our thoughts are chaotic. Um, and then they get encouragement when we're stable. And so I just pray stability uh, yes. into all of us, that our identity is in you and we can lead from a place that just isn't reacting to every news story and every opinion that's thrown at us and every meeting we have, but there's this sense of like, we know where we're going, we're grounded um, and, uh, and we're gonna get there however long it takes. And that, that people would be inspired by our example and because they are looking to us. And I just, I just really uh, pray that we, that don't, doesn't overwhelm us, but that there's actually a freedom in it yes. that inspires us to be disciplined and focused on what, what you've given us to do. And, and so Lord, uh, encourage every leader, no matter the size of ministry, no matter the context, um, they're hopefully where you've called them to be. If not, let them hear from you. But if they are, Lord, let them just feel a sense of, of encouragement and that uh, Holy Spirit just pour out on them and, and make them effective at what they do, Lord. So thanks for this time. In your good name, we pray. Amen. I'm going to pray for you, Mark. I just feel thankful to do that. God, I thank you for Mark. I thank you for the time he's given us today. Lord, uh, he's shared from his heart. He shared things that he and his uh, village church are learning. And I just pray a blessing on him, on him and, and Aaron and his family. Lord, I pray for his ministry. Lord, that is uh, not only in Village Church, which has multiple locations, but beyond that, Lord, he's in demand and and uh, is a voice today. And I, I pray you protect him. I pray you keep him. pray you strengthen him in this season. Uh, Lord, thank you for the calling on his life to reach the skeptics, to, to uh, help those who are grappling with faith. And I pray you continue to help him with that and, and the Village Church. May they see many, many more people come to faith and become disciples during this season. So thanks again for him. Thanks for this time we've had together in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Mark. This was just a real treat for me and, and for our network and uh, really appreciate it. And thanks to all those who, who listen. We really appreciate that. And want to just encourage you to do one thing. If you like this content and this this blesses you could you please share it on social media share it on instagram share it on facebook let people know that this is out there and um, that would be great we just want to reach people and help leaders as much as we can so thanks so much thanks again mark god bless you thanks ian appreciate it we'll be back next time for another podcast talk to you soon guys bye-bye thank you for joining us for the lifelinks leadership podcast if you have any questions or comments please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org